I just want to make a few announcements. Don't forget our free upward shift meditations every morning at uh, 8.30 a.m. Melbourne time. And tune in. All the ashramites, you'll see how what great teachers we have amongst the ashramites. They're full of shakti and full of love. So tune in to that on Facebook. And the next program we have coming up is the intensive. In October and the three-day retreat. We're hoping that by then, I don't know, six weeks. Isn't that right? Six weeks away. That uh, you'll be a some of you will be able to join us, but we'll have to wait and see. But that's a, even if you can't, you can certainly log in online and enjoy those hours of satsang talks and uh, shakti and all the good things. So we hope to see you then. It's also the weekend of Baba's, commemorating Baba's Mahasamadhi, the day that he left his body. chant. It means uh, Nityananda is Brahmananda, is the divine, the eternal. He's the form of Brahman. He's blue-colored. He's the lord of the three worlds. He's the guru. We bow to that eternal one. It's a wonderful chant. So I don't have to tell you that um, the whole world is in a pickle, it's in a mess, uh, and uh, everyone is uh, under the pump, as they say. Do they say that anywhere but in Australia? Under the pump. Um, a lot of stress, a lot of difficulty. 17% of people have gone mad already. Uh, it's a very difficult time, and again, here in... Uh, Melbourne, we're in our umpteenth lockdown, <laughs> and, uh, and we've got it good compared to a lot of places on Earth, so it's a, a very difficult and terrible time, and our heart goes out to everyone suffering, and we've always put an element in our programs uh, for the world, for the sake of the world, for the sake of everyone. May there, there be relief from suffering. May this dread uh, pandemic be overcome, uh, may all beings be happy. And so tonight, we're going to chant the Guru Stotram. Guru Stotram, which is a selection of verses from the Guru Gita. Uh, it's a short selection, but very beautiful. And it calls on that divine power. So let's do that now. Yeah. 
Welcome everyone to tonight's program. I didn't know what voice was going to come out of me tonight, but it seems all right. Very happy to meet you folks. <laughs> I always like to begin by quoting Baba, who began every program by saying in Hindi, Sabko Barisanmane Kisat Premse Hardik Swagat. With great respect and love, I welcome you all with all my heart. And I'd always say the essence of spirituality was love, to welcome another person with love and to find love for oneself also. So in that spirit, I welcome you all. And I love satsang. I always love satsang. Um, because in satsang, we celebrate that supreme principle. And we celebrate also the great beings who embody that principle for us, the great gurus, the great sages, the great yogis. And they shine not only as an example of it, but also they transmit that great power to it to us. So I, uh, I love the great beings. Uh, and each week, I celebrate the great beings. Uh, and tonight, um, one of my favorite of the great beings, one of the things about the great beings that I like, they all have the same or similar power of realization. They all have known the self. They're connected to the self. They're in touch with that divine and subtle power. The great mass of humanity is not aware of this power. They're aware only of the mundane reality, of the physical world, the world of the senses, and the world of the mind. They don't know that there is, at the core of our experience, a much more divine and uplifting power. And that's the power of the Shakti or of the self. But great beings know that power and they embody that power and they transmit the power. And uh, as I became familiar with these great beings, one of the things that delighted me was how different they all were. You know, when you, when you look at Hollywood depictions of Jesus and other great beings, they all have a certain uh, quality. They all seem like axe murderers to me when I look at them because they don't know great beings. But great beings are wonderfully vibrant, wonderfully alive, and very different. Um, and uh, among all the different great beings that are, no one is more different than the great being that I'm going to uh, uh, talk about tonight. And that is Upasani Maharaj. The, the crustiest great being. Um, I love to look at pictures of him. And he's very much himself. Let's look at a few more pictures. This is my all-time favorite picture. Uh, his uh, press secretary posed him in this pose. And uh, he wore burlap most of the time. And, uh, what do you call it here? Hessian. Yeah. And there he is, putting on a false smile for the camera. <laughs> All right, next. You got another one? That's it? Okay. So, Pasi Maharaj, uh, um, <clears throat> he was born in 1870 uh, at a town in Maharashtra. Uh, 
and uh, then we know about his his youth. As a, a, a youth, he didn't believe in formalized education, and he was crusty as ever. He was always crusty and grumpy. He hated the body, uh, and to purify the body, he did lots of spiritual practices, asanas, pranayama, mantra. Uh, as he grew up, he was a problem child, and then he couldn't make a living. Uh, as they do in India, he was married very young, uh, and then he ran away from home. And then he came back home, and his wife died. He got married a second time. He's still only 15 years old. He uh, had very bad worldly karma. He practiced medicine. He was a tax collector. He failed at everything. <laughs> his, his health started to suffer, maybe because he did uh, pranayama and other spiritual practices too violently without guidance. Uh, his breathing got disturbed. Medicine could do nothing for him. So he, uh, he started to visit yogis in desperation to cure him. Uh, and one yogi told him, you should meet Sai Baba, Sai Baba of Shirdi, um, <clears throat> who lived in this town, Shirdi in Maharashtra, very famous saint. Uh, but he didn't do it. Instead, an old man appeared to him and told him, drink hot water. And that cured him. He got cured of all his problems. But he eventually made his way to Shirdi uh, in 1911, in June of 1911. Sai Baba died in 1918, so they, it was a long period where they both were alive. Um, <clears throat> uh, and so he stayed with Sai Baba for a couple of days, and he tried to leave but he couldn't leave. And Sai Baba told him, you go stay in the, uh, in the temple over there, the Kandoba temple, um, and um, that if you stay there for four years uh, and do sadhana, that you'll get my full grace. And do nothing, really, just let me work on you. Uh, <clears throat> he said, sit quiet, have nothing to do with anyone. He told, he told Upasani. He wanted Upasani not to create new tendencies, new samskaras, uh, but to turn his mind inward. And strangely enough, it was very difficult for Upasani, uh, very painful, but he liked pain, so he put up with it. Um, and he, he stood in there, and he uh, eventually... Uh, was transformed. Sai Baba worked him hard, but after a few years, he called the devotees and said, do puja to him, uh, and thus signaled to them that he'd reached a high state. Sai Baba said, everything has been given. Whatever he is, good or bad, he is mine. There is no distinction between him and me. Now the whole responsibility for him rests with me. <clears throat> and so then he released him and he started to travel around, he traveled around, uh, <clears throat> and then he finally settled in Socorro, which is a town uh, a few miles from Shirdi. Uh, he settled there in 1917, near before Sai Baba's death. He settled in what was a burning gut, where they burned bodies, and uh, he built his ashram there, and that seems perfectly appropriate. Uh, given his uh, 
personality. <coughs> uh, in uh, 2004, a small group of us visited Shirdi and Sikori, uh, and uh, we met one of the original Ashramites. Uh, Upasani died in 1941, at the age of 71, and there was a little old lady who had been with him very young. Uh, that was, she was still alive in 2004, most charming. She was uh, one of the original ones. He created an ashram uh, for women, taught women to do the yagnas and the Vedas. Quite extraordinary, it was a wonderful place. <clears throat> one of his disciples uh, became a world famous guru named Mayor Baba. And we have a, there he is. It's very familiar. He said, don't worry, be happy. That famous song was because the guy was in Mayor Baba, uh, disciple. And Mayor Baba visited Australia as well as the United States back in the 50s or 60s. Um, also, an, another great disciple was Godavari Ma. Uh, there's Mayor Baba on the right with Godavari Ma, who became his uh, successor in Sakori at the, uh, at the uh, ashram. Became Upasani's. Who's who did I say? He didn't. But oh. she's standing next. Oh, to him. he's standing there. They're guru brothers. Sure. Yeah, no, she's she's Upasani's disciple, and Upasani's successor, uh, and uh, <clears throat> and she visited Bhagwan Nityananda and also Baba. So uh, that's the story of uh, some of the story of Upasani. Now. He's, he's what we would call an avadut, highly unconventional um, and uh, very different. One of the, the great things he did was he had a cage constructed and he lived in this cage. And he told people, everyone is in a cage, but they don't know it. I'm living in this cage voluntarily to demonstrate that you're all imprisoned by your own minds by your own ignorance, and so he would live in the cage. When we went to Sakori, we saw the cage. It's still, it's still there. It's quite extraordinary. Uh, and he had very unconventional ways. But one of the good things about it uh, is that uh, there's an immense amount of his teachings available. Immense amount. It's also available on the internet. Um, one of his disciples, and we're very fortunate, uh, wrote down a lot of his discourses. He would sit there, and he was teaching villagers, you know, humble villagers, um, and he would suddenly start talking. He used to say, I'm in the state of only, and then when you come into my presence, your minds make talks come out of me. <laughs> Otherwise, my mind is quiet. When you come near me, you vibrate my mind, and the teachings you need come out of me. But he would talk and talk endlessly, and they wrote down their volumes, five or six volumes uh, of his talks. And uh, one wishes that we had that much from Bhagwan Nityananda. Uh, we do have something from Bhagwan Nityananda, which is good, but, uh, but Upasana has. So this is one of his rants or talks, uh, which is very interesting and very to the point. And Devi Ma's very good remarks uh, seem in the same spirit. 
<clears throat> this, the theme here is the guru is the washerman. The guru is the washerman. So Upasani says, and this was on the 19th of January, 1924, this, this uh, discourse was given. It would have been a spontaneous chat. He says, the function of soap is to clean things by removing dirt. The duty of the Sat Purusha, Sat Purusha means uh, uh, the great soul, Sat Guru, the, the true, true Guru, of the Sat Purusha is to take away mala, impurity. If you know your Shaivism, you know the concept of the mala, which is that which overlays the pure self underneath, that which is an impurity, a contraction, uh, that becomes the, the obstacle in knowing the self. So it's to take away that impurity. <clears throat> Either he takes it away as it comes to him, or he forcibly takes it away. In other words, Satpurusha is like a dobi, a washerman. The Satpurusha, I could say Satguru, because it's the same thing. The Satguru does not ask anybody to come to him. Others go to him. He does not come to you. But if you approach him, then it becomes his duty to take away your mala. It is we who make the Satguru work like a dobi for removing mala from us. Just as we make soap, or sometimes we use a natural cleaning agent like the soap nut. I looked that up, soap nut. It's a berry that's used in India and China, like a soap, like cleaning. <clears throat> in the same way, we have to use naturally born or artificially created satpurusha to remove our mala. Exactly like the dobi or a soap or a soap nut. Only if you associate them will they do this work. I remember once a Baba in, uh, visited uh, the New York City ashram, gave a blessing at the New York City ashram on 86th Street. <clears throat> and uh, outside there was a big garbage truck going down the street. And Baba came in and he said, the guru is like the garbage truck. <laughs> I remember that intensely. He said, the guru is like the garbage truck, takes away your garbage. <clears throat> So, Upasani says, now what is mala? So what is mala? And he gives a brilliant definition. Whatever comes in the way of self-realization is mala. So whatever hangs you up, whatever limits you, whatever diminishes you, whatever makes you feel fear or lack or need, or upsetment, or jealousy, or anger, all those things are mala. <clears throat> he goes on, in other words, it means the karmas accumulated in many a previous life, the tendencies that we've picked up in many lifetimes. Self-realization means to see, to know, to understand one's own self. Self-realization is the duty of a human being. Bobby said that too. It was the, it was the swadharma, is the, the highest duty, of a person. There are many duties we have: family duties, uh, patriotic duties, citizenly duties, all kinds of duties. Um, but the highest duty is to know the self. 
<clears throat> Why then, he asks, is one not able to realize himself? Because that self, the soul, is covered over by mala, the result of bad thoughts and actions. So we, we create these tendencies, and, uh, and then we create wrong understandings, wrong attitudes. Attitude is incredibly important. We have a wrong attitude, an arrogant attitude, or a, or a, a self-hating attitude, all these different attitudes that hang us up. And then we get attached to those attitudes, and we defend them. And we're actually defending our mala, defending our ignorance, when we could easily switch and become harmonious with the self, we, we are the first to, in line to defend our suffering. And we attach to our suffering. So perverse we are. So extraordinary a human being is. However, there's much hope. <laughs> Asat Purusha, he says, Asat Guru removes the karma that hides the soul. And as the mala begins to be removed, the soul begins to shine. And I saw this in Baba's presence, that the people spent some time there, they did their sadhana, they meditated, they learned to make a connection to the shakti, to the inner self, they would start to shine with that knowledge. And sometimes a shadow would come over them, and that shadow would be the shadow of their tendencies, their negativity, of their jealousy of their anger, of their fear. It would come over them, and you could see that the glow disappeared. And then they would get in touch again with that, that, that shakti, that self, the guru, and again the glow would appear. And so he says that eventually uh, this soul begins to shine. Ultimately, one day, one is able to experience himself, his soul, his atma. A poet said, the nature of a human being is bliss. Therefore, everyone seeks bliss in everything they do. I love that statement. The nature of a human being is bliss. Therefore, we're not happy if we don't have bliss. Bliss is a funny word. But let's say our nature is also peace and harmony. And when we don't have that, we're always seeking it. We're restless, we're seeking, because we know there's something that we are that we're not having, that we're not getting. <clears throat> he, Upasana says, who does not want that bliss? Everybody is desirous of having it. Whatever we do, we're always looking for that fulfillment. We don't call it bliss anymore. What do we call it? Fulfillment, satisfaction, right? Um, what else? What other things we call it? Whatever. <laughs> Fulfillment. <clears throat> uh, because we're not able to have that bliss, we take various worldly objects, call them ours, love them, and try to derive pleasure from them. So we think we're going to find it in this thing, in that thing, in the other thing. <clears throat> If this procedure is blocked, in any way we feel unhappy. If our clothes are dirty, we do not feel happy, so we give them to the dobi, the washerman. We get them washed and cleaned. When we feel happy, then we feel happy. If a pot is dirty, we clean it first, then use it for drinking water. 
it's very like Bhagwan Nityananda talking about humble things. He's very into dobies and also mirrors, you'll hear. We clean the rice before we cook. To enjoy, to enjoy our own beauty, we use a mirror. <laughs> if the mirror is dirty, we wipe it clean and then see our face in it and enjoy ourselves. Uh, we should show that picture of him again. <laughs> no, never mind. When objects are dirty, we cannot have any enjoyment. So we have to clean them first. In the same way, because of our karma, because of the mala covering our real self, we're not able to enjoy ourselves. So the, the pleasure, the joy of life, we don't get, not because we don't have what we want, not because of that, but because we don't know ourselves. That's the point of view of the yogis. The worldly point of view is, if only I had this, that, and the other thing, I'd be happy. The yogi's point of view is, happiness is already inside you. Change your attitude, change your mind, and realize that happiness. It's independent of this, that, and the other thing. If the mirror is dirty, it has to be cleaned, and we clean it, since the mirror is not able to clean itself. Like the mirror, we do not know how to clean ourselves. If, however, we ourselves could work like soap, we could clean ourselves. There are many kinds of soap, <laughs> such as toilet soap, washing soap, etc. Which soap can wash away our karma? He says, chanting, puja, worship, and other forms of sadhana, etc. are the soap for that purpose. So spiritual practices have been designed by the great washermen to clean away our ignorance, mantra, meditation, chanting, scriptural study. These are the soaps. <clears throat> he says, if we can use this soap and clean ourselves, well and good. If you can do these practices, you're some kind of singular genius and you can do them and attain good. But if you can't do it yourself, if not, we have to approach a satguru for that purpose. That means the satguru is to be used like soap. <laughs> but it's up to you to make use of him to make you clean and lead you to self-realization, to infinite bliss. <clears throat> Objects in the world have a gross form, and therefore we perceive them with our physical eyes. When these objects are covered with dirt, they can be cleaned by physical means. However, the condition of our soul is not visible to our physical eyes. The mala covering it is also invisible in the same way. Because the dirt is not visible, we're not able to remove it. That's why you need the help of a great being. It's like some dirt lying on our back, which we cannot see, and therefore cannot remove. You got dirt on your back, you can't see it. You need somebody else to say, hey, you got some dirt on your back. <clears throat> I'm always, uh, uh, it's always <laughs> thoughts like this always bring up uh, a, a thing that got me as a young kid, which is that we can never see the back of our own heads. That was a fascinating thing for me, except in a mirror or in a photograph. But everybody else can see the back of your own head. It's trivial for them. But you'll never see it. How extraordinary. Isn't that quite extraordinary? 
And in the same way, <laughs> it's hard to see the places that we are, have mala, that we are, we are hung up and don't know the self. And that's why the, the Shiva process work that we do is like a series of mirrors where others can see the back of your head and they feed it back to you so that you can remove mala and see the truth. It's, it works like that. <clears throat> he goes on. We have to approach another to see it and remove it, the dirt on our back. That is the Satguru who's able to see the dirt covering the soul and who has the ability to remove it. Whosoever associates with the Satguru and pleases him, the Satguru removes all that dirt covering him. Lord Sri Krishna said, and this is very interesting too, this must be in the Bhagavad Gita, Pari uh, Prashanen and Sevaya, meaning that one has to please the Satguru with questions and with service. And then he removes all that dirt in some way or other, or another. He has that power. How interesting is that? You please the Satguru with questions or with service. What does that mean? <clears throat> it doesn't mean that if you start rattling off stupid questions, like a, a student in graduate school, that please the Satguru. It means if you're really a seeker of knowledge, of wisdom, of the truth, and you ask real questions directly related to sadhana, the Satguru will take pains to answer those and guide you to it. Or if you want to serve the Guru, that also is another method. I mean, both of those methods are valid. And he's saying these are the two ways that Lord Krishna says that. Interesting, isn't it? He says, when we behave with him in a way that he begins to take interest in us, we have virtually reminded him of his power for our own sake. And with that power, he's able to remove all the dirt. So you tell the guru says, oh, I can help this guy. I can do something. Just as the reflection in the mirror does in no way disturb the mirror, in the same way the pure self of the satguru is never disturbed by any impression of our bad deeds. As a matter of fact, our soul is equally pure. It's just as pure as the guru. Perfectly pure. But because it has been covered by impurity, when I are able to see it or experience it, it is like oil and water. So now we have another village uh, metaphor, which never mix with each other. They always remain separate. If both are put together, the oil floats above the water. If we now want to see the water, we have to remove the, the floating oil first. The more oil we remove, the more clearly we're able to see the water. When all the oil is removed, the water is very clearly seen. <clears throat> you know where we are, Devi Ma? I think I may have to go over. My voice is starting to uh, crack. You enjoying this? Yeah. It's great stuff, isn't it? Very direct. So I'll let Devi Ma read, and I'll make some comments. <clears throat> go on. Our soul is exactly like the water. It is always pure. It does not mix with anything. It is the oil-like dirt. 
the sins of ours from time immemorial that hides the self from our view. And you know, you don't have to think of sin in the like in the uh, fundamentalist Christian way. You are a sinner. Uh, but it means actions based on ego, actions based on wrong identification with the body, with our ego structure, those things that are based in ignorance, and they acquire uh, uh, a velocity as we continue to do it at a weight. That's the kind of thing. It's not you did such bad things, but uh, that's what he's talking about. Go on. Once all that oily stuff is removed by the sat purusha, then the water-like self becomes clean, becomes pure. Then we attain that infinite bliss. It is due to the various desires to have various worldly objects that the atma gets covered with mala. And hence, some of the sat purushas always demand such objects from those that approach them. We should always feel obliged if those objects are demanded and accepted by him. It is virtually the bestowing of his krupa. You know, this is, I think he's referring grace. to um, Sai Baba. Sai Baba very famously would ask people for money. Give me two rupees. Give me five rupees, he'd say. Uh, and so he's saying that when, when the guru asks for that, he's helping you, he's purifying you. He tells you about it. It is much better if we offer him ourselves to our capacity, all such objects that we love, without his asking for them. The state of affairs in this place is similar. I never ask anybody to give me anything. I always avoid accepting. I have no use of any of these things. You have all seen this for many years. It is you people who offer many things here and put them in the cage to purify <laughs> your karma. In return, God bestows on you the real good. Whatever objects come here, along with them come the impure jivas, individuals, of those that offered those objects. It is like the clothes that come with you when you come here. Whatever is put in running water is always carried away by the current. Amongst all objects of desire, Money stands in the highest place because through money, one can have almost all objects. Along with money, the desires automatically flow. Desire for money becomes greed, and greed creates many desires which form the dirt covering the self. A drunkard always visits a liquor shop. If the liquor shop is closed, Automatically, the drinking habit of the drunkard leaves him. If there is no other liquor shop within a fair distance, how can he drink? The drinking habit automatically disappears. If the things that form the mala over the atma are removed, the atma gets automatically pure. Judge, judging from uh, his, his writings or his talks, there must have been a drinking problem in the village because uh, he's always talking about that. And there is, the, they, uh, in rural India, they make uh, moonshine, uh, toddy, it's called toddy. And they, I don't know where they, what they make it from, the palm. trees, palm, palm trees or something. 
And uh, often it's very bad, very, uh, you know, very bad for the health, can kill you, actually. But, uh, so. You may say that the old impressions are likely to cause trouble. True. But as the things forming the mala are removed, all the old impressions, like the drunkard's, drunkard's drinking habit, automatically disappear. It is like the fire that is automatically put out when there is no more fuel. For a little while, the old impressions may have their hold, but that hold is soon lost. The desires are burnt away. Once the fire is completely put out, the addition of fuel does not cause it to burn. The state of a satpurusha is like the completely put out fire. Whatever desires come to him are not able to affect him. Make any impression on him. Your jiva will equally calm down in association with him, but you have to check the desires when they attack you. That means whenever a bad tendency occurs in your mind, you should not try to support it. You should try to strangle it, to nip it in the bud. While doing so, of course, you will have to suffer, but you have got to bear it. Such suffering increases your power of endurance. To experience and to enjoy that infinite bliss, meditation is essential. And Sai Baba always talked about endurance, saburi, one of the main principles he talked about. Uh, and this is like uh, Gurdjieff's uh, intentional suffering. When you do sadhana, you act against certain tendencies, and it's difficult sometimes. But you gain inner power by fighting those tendencies, wrong understandings. You, he's saying don't indulge your negativity, your wrong understandings. Use your intellect when you know I'm going in the wrong direction. Even though you emotionally want to go in that direction, you have to stop it. You have to stop it, then you gain strength over that. Because you know when you indulge it, you're going just towards uh, a ruinous state of affairs. So this is uh, what he's talking about. Um, <clears throat> and he's saying that the, the, the Satguru, uh, his, his desires are what Baba used to call a burnt seed. It means the seed is there, but it's burnt, and so it can't flare up. Even if the desire arises, it, it doesn't have anywhere to go. It doesn't become a forest fire. <clears throat> so, go on. When a Sat Purusha asks for objects, asks for money, etc., behaves in an annoying manner, the people begin to avoid him, with the result that the Sat Purusha now is able to enjoy his own solitude. You have the feeling that he was quite an annoying person, um, Upasane, and he didn't care. People left to me and said, great, I can enjoy my own space now. <laughs> Not like Ramana, who was such a charming personality. But go on. If, in spite of his demands and his annoying attitude and behavior, somebody sticks to him, quietly bears all the troubles and difficulties he is put to by him, his devotion becomes unwavering, stable, and pure. Then the Sat Purusha bestows his grace on him, and then the devotee is able to experience all his desires fulfilled. 
if he, if he sticks the course, if he stays the course, if he goes the distance, uh, then attainment is possible. It's very easy to lose the thread, very easy to turn away. Go on. This clearly demonstrates one principle. If a devotee sticks to a satpurusha, in spite of all troubles, difficulties, insults, etc., <laughs> then the devotee gets the benefit. If, on the other hand, the devotee gets tired and leaves him, in no way is the satpurusha affected. On the other hand, he is happy because he is able to enjoy his solitude. It is the devotee that leaves who suffers. In short, to purify one's soul, one should bear every variety of trouble, including an attempt on the part of the Satpurusha to make him lose his faith and just stick to him like a leech. <laughs> uh, the Satpurushas I know are, usually don't go out of their way to make you lose your faith, but uh, I'm sure that some of them do behave in that way. Or maybe they do, I don't know. <laughs> The Satpurusha, having reached the highest without caring for honor and dishonor, always tries to create distrust in him to test his devotee, of course, in his secret way. Oh, in secret way, yes. When could it be said that Atma is purified? In the Bhagavad Gita, chapter 12, Lord Krishna has said, Tulyaninda Stutir Moni, meaning that one has equal vision, whether he is praised or blamed, that person alone is able to experience infinite bliss. Okay. Equal vision. Baba told the most wonderful story. One of my favorite Baba stories uh, is a story about equal vision. <clears throat> a disciple came uh, uh, to his guru and said, what does equal vision mean? Uh, and the, the guru said, when you have equal vision, uh, you'll be self-realized. He said, well, can you explain that to me? He said, okay. He says, tomorrow night at midnight, go to the graveyard and walk among the graves and uh, abuse all the graves. Tell them they're horrible people and disgusting and vile. And come back and tell me what happened. <clears throat> and um, so he said, that's a very odd uh, bit of uh, sadhana to do, but I'll do it. Next night he went to the graveyard and he started walking among them and abusing all the graves. Came back next day. Guru said, did you do what I said? Yes. He said, now tonight go to the graveyard and walk among the graves and praise them and say how wonderful they were. You're wonderful people. You're the most glorious, intelligent, beautiful people I ever met. And come back and tell me uh, about it the next day. So he went there and he started praising them. You, you're so wonderful, beautiful, so talented and marvelous people. <clears throat> so accomplished. And uh, so he's thinking, this is very weird. Uh, and he came back the next day. Guru said, did you do it? He said, yes. He said, he said, okay, what did they do when you attacked them? He said, nothing. He said, they lay there. He said, what did they do when you praised them? Nothing. They just lay there. He said, when you reach that state, 
you'll be in self-realization. That's equal vision. <laughs> Great story, no? <laughs> when money is given to the Sat Purusha, along with the money he takes the bad karma of the person who gave it, then the bad karma is washed away. Then the Sat Purusha gives the money to the poor and the needy. By doing that, he is able to wash away their sins as well. In short, through your money, he is able to wash away your sins and their sins as well. At the same time, he gives you the benefit in the form of punya by offering your money to them. It is like the sun which turns the dirty water into a pure stream, steam, into pure steam, and through rain, that is through pure water, helps you quench your thirst. So he's observed that the sun dries up, takes a dirty stream, the water gets uh, put up in the air and then comes down as rain again, pure rain. So he's talking about that. In short, all actions done by the Sat Purusha, whether good or bad, always lead to good results. And these actions are done for the good of the world. Such Sat Purushas never act to please anybody or to seek appreciation. Many times they might actually behave as opposed to the canons of the world. Just by, as by offering what one loves, one is purified. So in the same way, if negative qualities are offered, the same thing happens. For example, if pride is offered, then the ego is destroyed and the person attains the good grace of God or the Satguru. So he's saying not just uh, offering uh, your money and objects to the guru, but offering your bad qualities, your pride, your fear, your jealousy, and offering them. That becomes a, a, a tremendous sadhana. You suddenly become aware of what that is, and then you gain the power to overcome it. Go on. If one associates with a Sat Purusha for their whole life, one is able to experience that the self is realized at least one month before his death. And this is this, this is a very extraordinary passage. So if you if you spend your life with the Guru, then you know that you attain the self at least one month before your death, you say. <laughs> Go on. Purification depends on the amount of dirt covering the atma. Some are able to have that experience much before the time of death. Actually, at the time of death, or just a couple of days before, one gets that experience. So it's saying that if you, if you have small light karma, um, you, you attain it years before, possibly. But in any event, you're going to attain that at death, or before, just before death. This is what uh, the guru says. Go on. The truth is that whenever it may be, one experiences the purification of the soul. The depth of experience depends on the depth of the mala covering the self. If he fully experiences the self and lives instead of dying, then he becomes a jivan mukta. If he, however, dies, then he gets that bodiless liberation, videya mukti. So, so it's saying that you attain this state, 
And if you remain alive, then you're a jivan mukta, you're liberated while alive. Uh, but if you die, it doesn't really matter because you attained liberation anyway. So then you're a, a videya mukti. It reminds me of uh, uh, something that uh, Swami Vivekananda, uh, the, uh, the great Vivekananda, Ramakrishna's disciple. And he was a very young man, and he wrote a letter saying, I feel like I feel uh, something like I feel uh, a massive change taking place. That, that I'm going uh, a massive transformation taking place. He wrote this, it was actually a few days before his death. He says, and I don't know whether I, I will die or I will continue to live, as, but I'm going to be liberated. I'd like he said that. Uh, that he was about to be liberated, didn't know whether he would survive it and become a jivan mukta, or he would just be taken away. And so it turned out he died at that point. <clears throat> but this reminds me of that. Because uh, it, it makes a big difference from one perspective, but from the perspective of the self, it doesn't make any difference. Uh, although for us, it makes a difference, doesn't it? <clears throat> but Okay, interesting, isn't he? What do you think? What do you think, Devi Ma? Great stuff. Yeah, any comments? Very unusual. We don't usually hear teachings like that. He's so unusual. He's so uniquely himself, very powerful, but very committed to sadhana and to knowing the self. Totally committed to it. His odd ways all point towards it. He demonstrated it in his life in very extraordinary in unusual ways. Anybody else want to make a comment? I love Pasini Maharaj. What? I love Maharaj. Is that a comment? <laughs> okay. I love him too. Yes. Do you all love him? Yes. Or, or he's very handsome, isn't he? Very <laughs> handsome. Yeah. Just your type. What? Yeah. What's that? Just your type. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> 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 it's a great soul, a really great soul. Maybe one day, if uh, maybe we'll all go to Sakori together. If if a million things happen, that if the if the the world opens and uh, allows the possibility. But meanwhile, we'll find the place that he's talking about, the self within. Because whether we're here or in India or, or in some other loka, that self exists within us. And so let's meditate for 10 minutes. And in, in this 10 minutes, let the mala of your ignorance your wrong understandings, your wrong attitudes, your cussedness, your stubbornness, your fearfulness, your self-hatred, your greed, your attachment, let it all just be washed away by the grace of the guru, by the grace of the shakti, by the grace of your own soul, and let the light that's within come forward. Let that light that's within every single person 
Let that shine in you. Don't listen to the voice that wants to turn that light out, diminish that light. And for 10 minutes, we're going to meditate on that pure self within. Once again, with great respect and love, I welcome you all with all my heart. Let's meditate.